Hi, welcome to the Axe Church UK weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired and blessed by today's message. Enjoy. Today, I want to talk to us about faith, uh, specifically faith that pleases God. Good faith, if you can put it in that way. You know, recently, uh, I've been, uh, uh, you know, reading some articles online and, and this will possibly affect me more than you, uh, but basically, we, I've, I've read about news uh, in the recent weeks uh, that there were some uh, famous uh, worship leaders and uh, uh, pastors, uh, people that will probably be too young for your generation, but kind of for me and Pastor Cat, uh, we kind of like grew up, you know, uh, he- knowing these people, uh, singing songs that they wrote. Uh, and uh, even reading books that they wrote. Uh, and, um, you know, recently we heard that they had made decisions to, to give up their faith. Or, this, or they have declared that they are losing their faith and, and that doesn't quite bother them. And I'm not here to talk about that. But I would be lying to say that when I read those news, it didn't affect me. You know, of course it affected me. Uh, but it affected me not because I was doubting in the same areas that they were having doubts in, in God. That's not the case. I, I'm not doubting in their doubts. Um, but it was a powerful reminder to me that, you know, faith is such a precious thing, but it's also something that's so easy to lose. And if it can happen to a famous pastor, preacher, it can happen to me. If it can happen to a famous worship leader that has written song after song that are so inspired and led, I believe, many people to intimacy with God, it can happen to us. And so I felt the Holy Spirit uh, want to bring us as a church, uh, whether, and maybe there are people in our, in our midst right now, you are wrestling with your faith as well. You know, and maybe on the outside, you just look like you're okay. But inside, you are struggling. Struggling with your faith in God. Struggling to believe in God and the things of God. I want to share with us a word today that I pray will not only encourage you, but maybe even give you, uh, uh, you know, this message can be used by you as a way to encourage your friends uh, in the future because these kind of conversations are normal. You know, how many of you have met friends who you know, you know, you maybe grew up with them in church. Uh, you, maybe they were even Christians before you. And when you catch up with them, they now say that, oh, I no longer believe. Or I have, you know, uh, 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 no switch face and different things like that. You know, and this is something that, that happens to all of us. You know, if not already, it soon will. Uh, meeting people that have said that I've fallen away or no, I no longer believe or I find it hard to believe. And I pray that this message will not only help you, but will also make you a blessing. Amen? And this is also something that I'm sharing from my own life. And, uh, you know, being a Christian for, and again, I'm not bragging, but from, for 25 years now, I, I, I accepted Christ when I was 11 years old. Uh, and for the 25 years, I've been journeying with God. Uh, there were ups and downs. And, and so, that, and, and faith was definitely something that uh, I wrestled with and struggled through in the last 25 years. There were moments. And so, I also want to share with you this word, uh, using examples from my life. Uh, this is how I encourage myself. This is how I keep myself going by the grace of God. So I pray that this will be a blessing to all of you here. Is that okay? Amen? You know, first of all, let's turn to some scripture. Is that okay? You know, I want us to understand the thing about faith is this. Um, we always have this saying, 
uh, you know, faith like a child. You know, in fact, Matthew chapter 18, verse 2 to 3 is where we get that statement. Matthew 18, 2 to 3, Jesus was the one who taught this. He says that Jesus called a little child to him. You know, so Jesus, I imagine when he preaches, he uses examples as well, calling people to the front, using, uh, you know, his uh, church members, uh, not his church members, but, you know, the crowd as prop as well. And they called a little child to him and set him in the midst of them and said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Some translation says that unless you are saved and have faith like a child, you cannot receive, you know, the kingdom of God. And this is where we receive this statement, no faith like a child. And some other places in the Bible, you read also Jesus talked about faith as small as a mustard seed will be able to move mountains. And so, you know, I want us to know when it comes to faith, it starts small. It starts with faith like a child. It starts like a mustard seed. But there is an expectation on God to grow our faith and for our faith to mature. But a maturing faith doesn't mean turning old. A maturing faith doesn't mean, you know, becoming more conservative. You know, how many of you have met people like that before? You know, I definitely, as a pastor, I have. Uh, sometimes being a pastor is not fun at all. You know, you, you get a lot of criticism. You know, uh, I, I recently, you know, we, we saw a video message from Pastor Kenneth and he mentioned how like, you know, after uh, preaching, people sometimes will give him a love gift in a, hand, in a handshake uh, and people who don't give love gifts sometimes, he, he meant it as a joke, you know, they will give him a, a, a verse to encourage him. And of course, you're saying, what's this, man? Uh, that, that's not too bad. When I first started serving the Lord, I used to get not verses to encourage I used to get notes to improve from random strangers. This is not like Pastor Kenneth. Like I can take it from him. This is like random people in church and go like, oh, good points. Here's some extra scriptures to, you know, help you, you know. Maybe, and, and I'm literally, yeah, this is, yeah. So it is rough. And sometimes I met people like that. The longer they become a Christian, the, the more old they become, the more curmudgeon they become, the more, I don't know, conservative they become, and, and, and the more critical they become. But that's not maturing faith. That's not the type of faith that, that, that the Bible wants us to when Paul says that I want you to mature and no longer dwell on children because you're no longer a child. You know, uh, mature faith is, 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 is an ongoing journey. You know, it is a faith that is being built on and developed and developed and developed. In other words, if you are a person who is struggling with your faith right now, I want you to know that that's part of the journey. You know, and, and faith is not about being perfect all the time. Faith is a journey. You start as a child and you continue on in God and allow God to grow you, allow God to build you, allow God to increase your faith for the different things that He has in store for you. And so I have three points today to help us to, you know, mature our faith not so that we can brag, but mature our faith so that we can please God, you know. And as I mentioned earlier, if you're taking out notes, you know, the topic for or the title for today's message is called Good Faith. Because only God is good, we want faith that, you know, is, is, is pleasing towards God, amen. It's God's definition of good, not our definition of good. Uh, and so, I got three points for you. And uh, I want you to 
to, to turn to some scriptures. Is that okay? Today I warn you, there will be extra scripture turning. I know it's a moot point as well because, you know, we have, you know, uh, XTV being so faithful to help us out. Uh, but please, I encourage you, still flip, still flip, you know. Uh, uh, you know, it's always nice to, to hear pages being flipped in church. And so, you know, I wanted to turn to Matthew chapter 5, verse 15 to 16. And the first point I'm going to give you is this. Real faith burns. It burns. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 15 to 16, come on, let me hear some turning scriptures. Matthew 5, 15, 16. Nor do they, some translations say, no one, no one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. First thing you got to know about faith that pleases God is that real faith burns. Here you have Jesus using the example of a lamp, you know, to describe our faith. In other words, no, the lamp burns, and when the fire burns, it gives off light. You know, and you understand this. I don't need to explain to you, even though I just did. Uh, but real faith burns. And, and so, in a way, for our faith to continue, we need to ask God for fresh oil. And only God can provide this all. We know this very well from not only last week's message, but you know, talking about a good recharge from the Holy Spirit. But also in, in Matthew chapter 25, verse 1 to 13, write it down. I didn't give this to Toby so that you, you can flip to it. Matthew chapter 25, verse 1 to 13. Write it down at least, okay? And maybe I won't make you turn to it, but go back and read it. The full thing is called the parable of the ten virgins. And from that parable, we know that there were five wise virgins and there were five foolish virgins, and the wise virgins had oil. They had extra oil to keep them burning until the groom arrives. And so in this story, the groom represents Jesus. And, and, and Jesus is saying that you know, there, there will be, eventually when I come, two groups of believers. Believers with enough oil to keep burning until I come back, or believers who run out of oil. And so the, the one thing very important is this, that we've got to ask God, God, you know, give me your oil. You know, and what, what, is, what is oil? You know, oil is the Holy Spirit. Oil is God's anointing. But oil is also His Word. And so if you want your faith to keep growing, you got to feed that fire. Amen? And you got to feed it with communion, the Holy Spirit. you got to feed it with God's Word. You know, never underestimate the importance of God's Word. Never underestimate, you know, spending time with God. In our fast-paced lifestyle, sometimes we are tempted to give it a miss or we're tempted to do it as we go along. You know, again, no judgment here, but I, I believe a lot of us here, we do our quiet time as we travel, right? 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 Yeah, even if you don't, just, just yeah, you know, you know yeah, you, you'll be like, yeah, pastor, you know, not like some people, no, they don't just put makeup you know, on the tube, you know, I don't do that, I read the Word of God on the tube. That's great, great, great if you do that. Uh, but it will be even more powerful if you set time aside. You know, it, it just creates, not, not to say that the revelation will be more powerful, but the intimacy will be more powerful. When you set time aside, you know, come on, ladies, talk back to me. Do you want to date a guy who says that, you know, yeah, let's talk as we walk, 
Or do you want a guy that sits you down and go like, I cleared all my schedules. I switched off my phone. I'm all yours, baby. Let's talk. You know, let's talk. I had to clarify that. Let's talk, you know. <laughs> no, not do anything else. Let's talk. You know, and then be like, oh, right? Or maybe not. Maybe, maybe the girls are not, you know, words, it's not the love language of girls. Maybe guys, you know, maybe the guys are more chatty in church. But love burns. How do we, not love burns, faith burns. <laughs> Thinking about love right now. Love also burns, but that's another topic for another day. Faith burns. So how do we keep our faith, keep, how do we keep our faiths burning? By feeding the fire. But that's not all by applying the fire. Let's look back at Matthew chapter 5, verse 15 to 16. Let's, let's read it in context again. Jesus wasn't just talking about having a faith that was showing off. Jesus wasn't just talking about having a faith that gave us revelation. It is. You know, don't get me wrong. Because light illuminating the whole house, that means that when you have faith, it gives you understanding of what you're going through. Gives you understanding of, of the age and the times that we are living in. But the scripture doesn't stop there. It says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So God gave me this way of explaining it. God says this, okay? You either ask Him to fill you so that you keep burning or you start burning things. Okay, that sounds like your pastors are asking this. But okay, okay. How do you keep a fire burning? Feed the fire or pass the fire? No? Why do you guys look at me like you've never played with fire before? Is this too real of a confession? Yes, I used to play with fire, but it's a, it's a kid thing. It's a phase thing, okay? Uh, now I talk about spiritual fire, not actual fire. Anyway, so, you know, yeah. So to keep fires burning, you either keep feeding it oil, charcoal, wood, or you bring the fire and you bring it to something that's flammable. And even if it's not flammable, I know, this sounds again like Arsene is talking about, you know, but if you leave it there long enough, it will set the thing on fire. And so God is saying that, you know, for faith to keep going, you got to have faith from me so that people can see, but also use that fire so that the world can see your good works and praise your Father in heaven. So if you're asking, Pastor, how do you keep your faith going? Apply that fire. Apply that faith. How do we apply faith? Praying. But I want to specifically talk about two things. Serving. When you serve, you're applying that fire. It takes faith to serve, friends. It takes faith to serve. You know, those who, whether you're doing hospitality, it takes faith sometimes. Oh, I hope this cake turns out well. I hope the newcomers will like the cake. I hope there's newcomers to eat the cake. Faith. And Usher, the same thing. You know, if there's like 50 new people to church every week, man, everybody will love being an Usher because you'll be there. Hey, welcome, 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 welcome. You know, you get to be like a bouncer in church, you know, and go like, hold on, get behind the line. Wow. You know? But it takes faith to be an Usher. Oh, I hope there's someone new that I can welcome. Amen. You know, worship leader as well. You know, I hope that God, the songs that I chose, I hope that they are of you, Lord. That we're not just singing some tunes, but I pray that these songs, these lyrics will, you know, be talking about the right themes that will be a blessing so that even during worship, people are set free. 
Even during worship, people feel like their prayers are being answered. It takes faith. And friends, when you do that, when you apply your faith into serving, it keeps your faith alive. Because now your faith is no longer just a decision you made when you were 11 years old. Your faith is fresh. And when people ask you, you know, what's so real about Jesus? Oh, God is so real. Because man, last week I was leading worship and you, could just, you should have been there because the atmosphere of the room was just so holy. And people were just being set free. You know, what makes you believe in Jesus? You know, I know, and then a person can say that, wow, you know, if only you were there at the hospitality corner last week. And then even people who didn't know Jesus, when they ate the cupcake I baked, they go that there must be a God. <laughs> applying your faith, applying your fire. What about missions? Missions. And I know from my own life, going on mission trips keeps my faith alive. Maybe the question you're going to ask yourself is, when was the last time you went on a mission trip? Amen? For that, go to homes this Wednesday. We'll be talking more about that. But let's talk about missions. I, I, I remember for all the mission trips I've gone to, you know, I, I'm, I'm going on missions by faith, raising funds by faith, learning the language by faith, learning children's program by faith because I'm not a children's person or children's program person. But every time I go there, I realize, man, I come back my being more blessed. I felt like I received more than I gave. You see, when you begin to apply your faith to the things of God, whether it's serving or missions, your faith comes alive. I still remember my first uh, mission trip uh, to Indonesia. Uh, man, I, 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 the, 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 the poverty level there, is scary, at least the people that we had an opportunity to minister to. You know, if you've ever been to the church hub and you use our toilet, you know, uh, please flush. No, I'm just joking. Uh, no, no, but I'm not, not joking. Please flush. But that's not the point, okay? Uh, you, I've walked into houses, someone's flat that is as big as the church hub toilet. That's where the entire family of five stays. <sighs> And yet, I see their faith in church. I see their faith in God. I see them living in poverty and yet loving God. And when I see that faith in action, when I see their fire, do you, do you, do you get what I'm saying? You see, I apply my faith to go for this mission trip and then at this mission trip, I see another family applying their faith to their everyday situation and then my faith comes alive. And then when they look at me, their faith comes alive. Not because I'm good looking, but because, you know, uh, the, the pastor that we were with, you know, uh, from Indonesia, you know, Pastor Franz who leads our church in Indonesia, he's really cheeky. He's such a great missionary. He really knows how to sell things, you know. He'll bring us to do visitation and then he'll go like, look at you. How blessed are you? Uh, no, friends came all the way from Malaysia just to see you, you know. And then they look out the window and just some Chinese dude standing there waving at them. Hi. But then they've really felt the genuine love. They go like, oh wow, you would come to see me? I mean, you're from Malaysia. Why would you come to my house? And then we sat there, ate with them, drank with them. And that's where we really need faith as well. Because the water supply is, you know, let's not go there. 
And then that's where you really got to claim scripture. Jesus, your word says that, you know, even serpents, you know, <laughs> you know, you will trample upon. Even if you drink poison, you will not be poisoned. So this coffee is clean in Jesus' name. Boop! And that so many times we walk away and because it's all in Indonesian and all that, you know, and, and, and of course, you know, the, the other miracle uh, is that when you go for mission trips, you really see signs and wonders. And one of the miracles for me is that, man, you know, you go there for two days, after a while, you start speaking in fluent Bahasa Indonesia because, you, you know, it's just, it's just God. Uh, and, and I still remember walking away feeling like, oh, I'm not sure, you know, I, 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 I you know, my, my, my communication was broken I, and I'm not sure whether I, I was able to meet all their needs because the people there are so honest at the mission field. When you sit down with them and the pastor asks, is there any need? They tell you everything. They tell you everything. Oh, please, no, pray for my husband. He's good for nothing. He's sitting here, you see, not going out there if we look for a job. No, pray for my son. He's also good for nothing, you know. Uh, pray for... And I'll be like, okay, oh, sensitive. And then you do your best to pray. And then sometimes they'll interpret. And sometimes you wonder if the interpretation, you know, will ending be lost in translation. And you walk away wondering if your prayer made the difference. Then later on, the pastor told you, I just got a text message from them. They said that they are so revived and refreshed. I go like, oh, why? Because you ate with them. Not because of what you said. Not because of what, but because you ate with them, because you sat with them, because you enjoyed the hospitality, the humble hospitality that they offered. You see, friends, when you apply your faith, your faith grows because real faith burns. Real faith needs something to burn. And so I encourage you, friends, if you've never been on missions, go for missions. But do you know that actually all of us here are also on missions? Your workplace is a mission. Your school is a mission. Your house and your housemates, that's your mission ground. And without even going into your lives, just hearing testimonies from your mission ground revives my faith. When I hear of how different ones here, whether it's Brian, you know, how God provided for him. You see, his college is his mission ground and he went and God provided for him. Scholarship, extra allowance, tailor-made scholarship, opportunity. When I go like, wow, God, you're so good. So good, so good. My faith comes alive. When I hear of your promotion at work, my faith comes alive because I know your boss. And I go that it can only be God. When I hear of a church member getting a job, my faith comes alive. Wow, God. Because do you, you, you get what I'm saying? When you apply your faith, when you give something for your faith to burn, it not only brings life out of you, but it brings life to the people around you. Amen? Which brings me to point number two. Real faith has company. I mentioned earlier how I'm inspired by your lives. Do you know for us to have real faith, and for our faith to keep growing and keep maturing, we need to surround ourselves in the right environment. And we need to surround ourselves with the right company. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 1 to 8, the parable of the sower. 
It says this, On the same day Jesus went out of the house, sat by the sea, great multitudes were gathered together with Him, and so He got into a boat and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. Then He spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a soul went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. The parable of the sower, we always associate it with faith. We always associate it with salvation. And it is, don't get me wrong. And many times we focus so much on the good ground. God, make me good ground. Make me good ground. But do you realize that when Jesus was preaching about the, the parable of the sower, He spoke about the environment. So this person wasn't just sowing on good ground. He was sowing also in good environment. A place that had sun. A place that had water. If only we would dare to root down, to tap into it. And so many times we realize that, you know, oh yeah, we need good grounds for the seed of faith planted by God to grow. But God is adding in this extra revelation, you need good environment. How many know that you can't grow? No matter how good you are as a ground and no matter how good that seed is, do you know that you can't grow apple trees in the desert? You can't grow apple trees in the you know, tropical climate country, rainforest country like Malaysia, Thailand, etc. Similarly, you know, we, we, in Malaysia, there's this fruit called durian. And how many know that you can't grow durian, you know, here in the UK? You know, if you can, please do it, brother. You know, you'll make a lot of money. But you can't. No matter how good you can go to, this is the best farmland. You know, in this farmland, we produce apples. Great. And then you put into the same ground, good ground, proven ground, but you put in the good, the best durian seed. It still won't grow because of the environment. It's too cold. You know, if you bring an apple to, you know, Malaysia, it can't grow even if you plant it in the, in the best durian orchard because it's too hot. The question is, for our faith to keep growing, are you surrounding yourself in the right environment? Are you surrounding yourself with the right people? Are you surrounding yourself with the right believers? Many of us, we say, yes, I have Christian friends. The question maybe we need to ask ourselves, are they good Christian friends? Now, I'm not talking about, you know, performance and their ability to serve and sing. I'm not talking about that. But these Christian friends, do they love you enough to challenge you? Because I've met young people who grew up with a lot of Christian friends. In fact, grew up in a Christian family, went to homeschool, Christian homeschool, surrounded by Christian friends, went to a Christian college, and still lose their faith. It's not just about Christian friends, it's about friends who love you enough to tell you, hey, sister, that's wrong. Hey, brother, that's not a right attitude. Friends will challenge you to say that, hey, have you tithe? Ooh, we need friends like that. Turn to your neighbor and say, challenge me to tithe. Yeah. And they say no, that they're not, they're not good Christian friends. And then, no, <laughs> we need friends like that, don't we? 
And I found that in my journey as a believer, I, my faith is preserved not only because God adds oil to it, it is, not only because I, you know, applied myself to serve. In fact, I didn't start serving God, whether as usher, you know, I'm talking about that kind of stuff, not full-time, uh, until I went to college. Because even though I was saved at 11, my family was against uh, me going to church and getting involved in church. So the most is I could go to a church service, but I couldn't go early to serve. And I couldn't stay back late to serve. I could only go and attend. And so for the early parts of my Christian life, it was because of the oil of God, God's goodness, and because of good friends in school. Good friends in school, good Christian friends who would scold me when I felt lazy to go to church that week because the Simpsons were on. And I felt like just staying back and watching Sunday morning cartoons. And I would have good Christian friends who go like, do you go to church? No. Dude, why didn't you go to church? And literally, he's not scolding me because I didn't pass up my homework or I didn't finish. No, it's not about that. But he was such a good friend that he wanted me to, to not miss out on the things of God. We need to surround ourselves with good company. People that will tell us, you should be tithing. People who would surround us and tell us, you should be serving. People who surround us and say, you should be coming early. People who surround us and say, you should be going to homes. People who surround us and say, you know, who, who not only kind of tell us what we want to hear, oh, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. No, no, no. To tell us that, yeah, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. So be careful who you date. Oh, come on, you need good friends like that who will challenge you and go like, come on, your faith is too precious to just let go. Amen? So how do you keep your faith alive? How do you have a good faith? Keep it burning and surround yourself with good company. Point number three, my final point is this. Good faith is imperfect. Or just to keep it real, you can write this down. Real faith has struggles. And I know this sounds weird, but I want you to know, how do you know whether this faith you have is just emotion or something real? You know it's real when you struggle with it. You struggle to believe. You struggle to obey. And I want you to know that it's okay to struggle. But it's not okay to stagnate. See, there's nothing wrong with struggling. Struggling to believe God. Struggling to trust. Struggling to believe what the Bible says is actually His Word. But what we need to do is that when we do struggle, to bring that struggle to God. And this is biblical. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 to 2. Hebrews 12. In fact, Hebrews 11 talks about the conversation started on faith. And then Hebrews 12 ends that conversation and says this, Therefore... We also, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, Hebrews 11 talks about those witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Some translations actually say this, the author and perfecter of our faith. 
It's okay to have an imperfect faith. It's okay to struggle, but we need to bring it to Jesus because only He can perfect it. Many of us, when we struggle, we let that be the end result. And we let that be the final destination of our walk with Jesus. Oh, now that I struggle, this is that my faith can't be real. Now that I, I read something that, that, that stumbles me, this, this book must not be real. No, no, no. Bring it to Jesus. Bring it to God. And later on, it says this, looking unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross. So there was struggle, despising the shame and has now sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. If Jesus, in His walk, in being obedience to God to the point of death, even He had to struggle, what makes you think that we don't have to struggle? Do you know that when Jesus was praying, the night before He was crucified, He was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. Do you know that was real struggle? You know, in fact, if you read on uh, in verse 3, go back, homework. Hebrews 12, verse 3, it says that, and because we have yet to struggle with sin to the point where we are bleeding, we have no reason to give up. It was alluding to the fact that when Jesus was at the garden, He struggled with, with the pain, with the crucifixion that was going to come His way, that the Bible says that when He, he started to sweat blood. How many of you here have sweat blood before? No, you sweat and you've bled, but you've not sweat blood. And Jesus is saying that until you sweat blood, you have no reason to give up. In other words, faith, real faith, genuine faith is meant to struggle. You know, I wrote here, struggling is okay, stagnation is not. It's like being hot or cold. Cold is acceptable, but lukewarm is not. It's like coffee. Cold is acceptable, lukewarm is not. Okay, I might have added on the last point, but you get what I'm saying. Jesus saying that, you know, faith needs to be like coffee. You either drink it hot or cold, not lukewarm. Lukewarm coffee tastes the worst. It's the worst. Heat it up in the microwave if you have to. Put some ice into it if you have to. Lukewarm is the worst. Same. Is it okay to struggle? Yeah, oh, that is, I feel so cold. Cool, but go to Jesus. The days where I struggle hard to believe, go to Jesus. Oh, the, my, my pastor just fell. Go to Jesus. Because it's not your pastor who died on the cross for you, it was Jesus. And it says here, you know, go for, you know, Jesus, he saw what was ahead of him and he endured. He endured the pain. Amen. And I want you to know, can I be real with you as I wrap things up? I've struggled. I've struggled to believe God for different things. But I've always found myself going to God. One of the things, and again, different ones, we struggle with different things. In my early days as a believer, one of my struggles uh, is with the truth that was represented in the Bible and the truth that was being taught uh, in the world, specifically about science. And you know, when you are younger, when you first got saved, you read Genesis and man, the creation was something so beautiful and supernatural. But as you go to school, you study science, as you go to university, uh, you start facing more questions. You start meeting people who disagree with you. And so I, I, I struggled. I started wondering like, oh, is this really true? 
guess what I brought to God? And the thing is this, when I mean bring it to God, I'm not saying that God will always give you answers. Uh, you know, sometimes God might give you the answer just like how, you know, parents give children answers because they, are, they were too young to understand it. Can you imagine if a kid, right, and maybe this happens to Asian families more, five-year-old kid goes to mom and goes like, Mommy, how did I come about? I guarantee you, Asian parents will go like, um, when mommy and daddy felt so much love, you just happened. You just, you, oh, wow. Right? And <laughs> all uh, Asian parents say that, uh, tell you when you're older. You know? And maybe whatever they told you at that time was good enough for that time. But that simplistic explanation had truth in it. Okay? Now, I know all of us here are adults. We know where babies come from. But the statement, when mommy and daddy love each other very much, you happened. That's true. Minus off all the biological specifics and all the, you know, sensitive stuff. It's true. It's true that, that both statements, one is so simplistic, but 100% true. But the truth is also so complicated, but also 100% true. And I still remember, and the reason why I'm sharing this is because I, I went to God. I should go, God, is it really seven days? I mean, specifically six days. I know you rested on the seventh day, but you know. And then God just gave me this explanation. How do babies come from? Oh, no, all this. Yeah. But how do you explain to a kid? Oh, maybe this way. Do they contradict each other? No. I mean, as long as you don't say silly things like a stock came and delivered you or we, we, we found you at the rubbish bin or, you know, you, you, know, you, you were rejected from the reject shop. <laughs> but that's not what the Bible says, right? And so, for me, I'm just sharing for myself. When I struggle in that area, I look at the six days of creation and I go like, it sounds simple. But just because it's simple doesn't mean it's not true. And maybe it's written this way because that's what we could handle. Can you imagine giving a five-year-old kid? Again, I say this mainly applies to Asian family because maybe, I don't know, no? Uh, no, sex education nowadays is crazy. So, you know, five-year-old kid. If I, I, I would say if I had a five-year-old kid, yeah. I, I mean, I won't be talking about that until the kid is older. At five-year-olds, I'll be telling them, yeah, mommy loves daddy very much. And then you happened. Oh, yes. You were a product of love. True. You're a product of our union. True. You're a product of... Okay, anyway. So... <laughs> and so that's when I understood, oh, God, okay. Yeah. And I found myself not struggling anymore, even though I might still have questions. But that struggle has at least been resolved in going to Jesus. Are you struggling? Has something happened to you? A lot of people lose faith because things happen. I love it that actually, let's flash one more time. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. It says this, right? Since we are surrounded by such a great crowd, let's lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Let's focus on lay aside every weight. In other words, there's weight. 
that we need to lay aside. You know, as you start off in your journey with Jesus, faith like a child, but life adds weight to your life. That weight called disappointment. That weight called an unanswered prayer. That weight called tragedy. And yet, the gospel is trying to tell us to lay aside those weights and believe again. Lay aside the sin that ensnares. Some translations say it's old wounds. Sin that ensnares. Sins that have wounded us. Old wounds. Offense. Unforgiveness. A bad experience. We're still hurting from it. A lot of us, we allow our hurts to define our beliefs. But God is saying that, I want you to keep believing and don't let your old wounds stop you from believing. Don't let the extra weight that life has cast upon you stop you from believing. Do you struggle? Is there resistance coming your way? Good. Go to Jesus, the author and perfecter, the author and finisher of our faith. And another thing about resistance as well, you know, many times we have faith and the longer we become a Christian, there are more resistance. Uh, resistance not just towards us as a believer, but resistance towards uh, our ability to believe. Do you know what I'm saying? You know, how many find it easier to believe as you grow as a Christian? Good. Nothing wrong with that. It's not a trick question. You know, but a lot of us, the, the more we see, the more we learn, some, for some of us, we really struggle with that. It feels like, you know, especially we have people in our midst here, you, you're, you're in the sciences. You know, you study PhD and your doctors and whatnot. And uh, I, don't get me wrong, I know we have doctors in church and they can tell you that the more they study medicine, uh, the more they believe that there is a God because there's just mystery after mystery after mystery. And that's, that's true. But for some of us, the more we, we, we journey in life, the more resistance towards our ability to believe. I want you to be encouraged by that because it means that you're moving forward. You see, when you move forward, there's resistance physics, okay? When you're not moving, there's no resistance because there's, there's no air coming your way, there's nothing coming your way. And so if you are struggling, friends, I want you to look at the bright side. It means that you are growing. But then go to God. Don't use your struggle as an excuse to run away from God, but go to God with your struggles. Come on, say it with me. It's okay to struggle. Just go to Jesus. Amen? So whatever you're going through, whatever you're going through, because can, can we have time for real talk? You know, I've met people, uh, you know, and because of the world that we're living in, uh, a lot of things are, are, are more prevalent nowadays. And so as a pastor, you know, I, I, I know part of our role is to love people, grow people, and also help people as much as we are able to by the grace of God. And I have people who come and they say, Pastor, I love Jesus, but I struggle. I struggle with homosexuality. And then there are some people who come and say, Pastor, I want to stop coming to church because I struggle with homosexuality. Both are struggling with the same thing. One is bringing that struggle to Jesus. One is using that struggle as an excuse to run away from Jesus. A lot of things. You know, what, why does the Bible talk about? Why is the Bible against certain things? All those things. It's okay to struggle with it. It's okay to have questions. But bring your questions to God. 
bring your questions to your pastor. If your pastor is too scary, bring your questions to good friends that you surround yourself with so they can talk about it, dialogue about it, seek God about it. Amen. Iron, sharpen iron over it. But keep growing your faith. Amen. Because let us not forget, as the last scripture we reference, Jesus is the author. The faith that we have is a gift from God. And it might have started small, like a child. It might have started small, like a mustard seed, but it is a gift from God. At the end of the day, God is looking for fruits. Just like the parable of sower, His sowing is His gift to the world, but He's looking for people that will grow, people that will surround themselves in the right environment and grow and provide, you know, a harvest, 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. Amen. Whatever you're going through, friends, let us keep growing our faith. Let us keep applying our faith onto something, whether it's serving or whether it's going to missions. Let's surround ourselves with good friends that can encourage us, check us, correct us. But most importantly, we have a friend in Jesus that we can go to regardless of what we're going through. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. God, we thank you that we are able to be honest and frank in church with the fact that, God, that sometimes we do struggle with our faith and we meet people who give up their faith. And God, we are honest enough to say that just because we are not currently struggling, it doesn't mean that we won't struggle one day. But God, we also realize that faith is not just this souvenir from heaven. Faith is not just this crystal that we are expected to carry until the end of time. It is a seed that needs to be grown. It is a lamp that needs oil. It is a fire that needs to be passed on. God, I thank you that through your word, we also learn that our faith is like a seed that needs to fall not just into good ground but be surrounded in the right climate in the right environment so that we can grow so God I pray that you will help us would you bring good friends around us would you allow us to open up our lives to the Christian friends around us and be honest and be frank and say that hey I want you to speak into my life. I want to give you the right to check me. I want to give you the right to correct me. And God, I thank you also that we learned today that real faith comes with real challenges and real struggles. If Jesus, you struggle to be obedient to the Father, you wrestled in prayer, in the garden, then Lord, we know that we too will have our own wrestling matches and we too will have our own struggles. But Lord, we thank you that you lead in example in every way. Even though you struggled, you did not fall. Even though you struggled, you obeyed in the end. 
Lord, help us to understand that the right thing to do, just like you did, is that in our moment of weakness, to go to the Father, to go to you, to wrestle in prayer. And in the wrestling with prayer, in the going to Jesus, lies our victory. So God, we pray. I pray for everyone here in church. I pray, Lord, that in the age that we're living in, with the different challenges that comes our way, I pray, Lord, that our faith will not only keep shining, but it will keep burning, and that that fire would flow into the lives of other people. And Lord, help us, Lord, to be a lamp that is not hidden under a basket, but is displayed for all to see. A city on a hill which cannot be hidden. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you've been touched by today's message and would like to invite Jesus into your life, why don't you join me in saying this prayer? Lord Jesus, thank you for paying the ultimate price for my sins by dying on the cross for me. I receive your love and forgiveness and eternal life by faith. Come into my heart and life and be my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in today. We hope that you've been blessed by today's message. For more information about Acts, you can check out www.axchurch.uk. God bless.